to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter back in the studio and looking back at some of the best Week 12 action. Some of the big news stories from recent days, including Ruben Foster to Washington and Blake Bortles being benched, but has Hackett been scapegoated? And we'll look at some of the dark horses for the playoffs, plus around the NFL's Greg Rosenthal, all to come here on the Gridiron Show. music went so long then it's because ollie was talking in my ear for about 30 seconds before realizing he was pressing the wrong button uh, no idea ollie what were you trying to say in my ear that whole time well, you're on presenter one right uh, of course you are i was pressing presenter one and then i pressed presenter two so i had to press guest so i wasn't pressing the wrong button you're on the wrong headphones buddy yeah no i'm not on the I, i'm on presenter two's headphones no I think. you're on guest headphones uh what's this that's, mic here? that's guest uh, that's Mike too, so it should be presenter too. But. Well, look, it, I didn't label it. What? All I'm telling you is, you're on the wrong headphones. So, but that's not what you were saying in my ear. <laughs> no. What were you saying in my ear? No, that, I can't say that for for public consumption. Public consumption, right? Fine. It's nothing that. It's nothing dodgy. It's a little bit inside baseball. Let me quickly say to you now. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Ollie is now talking in my ear. Hopefully, you don't hear the overspill on the microphone. <laughs> it's a good question, Ollie. Uh, I think we should have an off-air conversation about that. I think so, because I, I basically coined that. Yeah, so no, that's fair. That's fair. You're, maybe, you're right. I may have, like, the intellectual property on it. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I think... No, let's talk about it later. Okay, Let's fine. talk about it later. Uh, right, this is The Gridiron Show. <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> This is the Gridiron Show uh, with Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter. Uh, coming up, Greg Rosenthal will we'll talk. Uh, I talked with him on Monday on my Talk Sports show. It was during the Texans Titans game when the Texans picked up that eighth straight winner franchise record, the most ever for a team starting 0 3, who have really surged to not just into the playoffs, but a team that are looking like they could cause some of the other teams in the AFC some problems. Uh, but we talked about some of the weekend action, and uh, he was. Um, yeah, he wasn't very comforting to Ollie, but he was particularly comforting to me. So that was nice. So that's why we're playing it. Ollie, you are a much less beardy, all, all over hairy man than when I last saw you on Sunday night. Listen, I said if Green Bay lost, I would uh, take off the beard because I didn't realise until about halfway through um, the season so far, so about week six, that I hadn't shaved since the beginning of the I haven't shaved my beard properly since the beginning of the NFL season. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to keep it going until Green Bay cannot make the Super Bowl. Is this now a tradition? It, oh, maybe. I'd, yeah. I, yeah am, right. I am slightly concerned because the problem was is that we'd come back off the trip. And I mean, I can't say anything right now. My beard is a scraggly mess, but it's a much shorter scraggly mess. I looked at the before and after photos of you with the uh, of the beard and now as you are now. And it was starting to get pretty lengthy around the chin. Like, you could have shaved to look like the bassist from Queens of the Stone Age, or the old bassist from Queens of the Stone Age. I'm worried that if the Packers get a cracking new head coach and go to the Super Bowl next year, and you do this tradition again, I'm going to spend Radio Row with basically, you know, Gandalf the Ginger. (laughs) That's very, very good. 
I think it's a great tradition and I will be continuing it. And uh, I, what I'll do is I'll make sure that it's all nice and, you know, quaffed and... Uh, quaffed? You know, why not? I think it'll be fun. It's what, a a fun su- what a fun it, tradition. It, it's a Super Bowl week tradition of mine to the day before we leave, go and get my hair and beard did proper uh, so I look smart for at least the first couple of days. And then the eye, the eye bags start to come in and the hair stops getting styled and uh, I become more and more of a human mess as the week continues. Your eyes get smaller and smaller. Oh, my it's tiny, like tiny eyes. Get smaller and smaller. My, my tiny, tiny, tiny eyes. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the, the news stories uh, from the last couple of days, including Washington claiming Reuben Foster, including Nathaniel Hackett being fired from the uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles being benched in favour of Cody Kessler. Uh, and we're going to look at some of the dark horses for the playoff race. We'll preview Thursday Night Football as well. A banger! As the uh, Saints head to Jera World. The Cowboys on that three-game winning streak. The Saints on what? like a, Well, they've won 10 out of 11. So I don't, they've not won 10 in a row, right? They didn't win the first game, did they? No, they lost it. They lost, they it lost the, the first game. Wow, so they're on a 10-game winning streak. They lost, was it only by four points? I think I it was should. 44 to 40. Something crazy, something ludicrous, where they um, uh, Fitzmagic just completely destroyed them. I should 100% have known that. You really should have done. They'll, uh, they'll clinch playoff place this weekend if they win and Carolina lose or tie. So there you go. The Rams will also clinch with a win this weekend. No one can clinch in the air. Oh, no, the Chiefs could clinch, but it takes a, a really wild mess of, Swing. A, of a situation for it to happen. Uh, so, let's... Um, let's. Well, first of all, should we hear from Greg Rosenthal first? Because he was looking back at some of the big stories of the weekend's games, and this is the first podcast we've done since the weekend. So, it covers off some nice things quickly. Uh, and like I say, I talked to him a bit about the Packers and the 49ers, as well as his playoff dark horses. Very good morning, Greg. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I I liked your humble brag right in the intro of how many games you saw, including the game of the year on Monday night. So I give you a lot of credit for paying the the change fee on your flight to stay and watch that Rams Chiefs game. Yeah, well, it's one of those uh, seven guys uh, from the tour, and it was all guys left on the tour at that point, uh, decided to pay quite an extortionate amount of money for an extra night in the hotel, for the ticket, for everything else involved. I don't think they will think a penny of it was wasted based on what we got to see last week. So uh, getting to go, it's the first time I've been to a game as a fan in five or six years as well. So honestly, it's one of the best days of my life, Greg. I don't, I don't care saying that. That's awesome. I mean, it's awesome to hear. I mean, it's, I mean it, not only is it one of the most memorable regular season games in NFL history, I, I just think of it as someone who's lived in LA, you know, for five years now and, didn't even think they were going to have a team and to have that sort of night in Los Angeles with the Rams and everything else that was going on. And then, Oh, by the way, have it kind of be this moment that was a perfect snapshot of what modern offense is all about. And maybe a Super Bowl preview. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll see the rematch uh, in Atlanta in February. It's interesting. I saw uh, somebody basically complaining this evening because um, uh, Texans Titans, I said 27, 17, but what stands out at the moment (laughs) is Marcus Mariota is 17 for 17 for 240 yards and two touchdowns and basically complaining that the quarterbacks have it too easy in the NFL, but this is what they want, isn't it? They want high scoring shootouts. They want highlight clips that they can stick on social media. This is kind of this, the, the, the NFL love these games, surely. Yes, they do, and, and rule changes have certainly favored offense. 
But I, I also just think it's the game has changed and the field is so big. It sounds obvious enough um, <laughs> that that <laughs> coordinators have figured out how to use the space on the field to create all these high percentage throws and that so many of those Mariota completions tonight have basically replaced what the running game used to be. There, there are two-yard throws right at the line of scrimmage that puts the that gives the ball to a wide receiver or running back in a position to go make a play, but it, it's basically like handing the ball off for these quarterbacks. Mariota's made some nice throws tonight too. I think he's playing well, but he also he also has struggles to uh, identify where pressure is coming from. And he's been sacked quite a bit. I, I mentioned the fact that obviously the Rams Chiefs, because that game was meant to be in Mexico, this is their bye week this weekend, and with the the teams like the Saints playing on Thursday night for Thanksgiving as well. Happy belated Thanksgiving, by the way, Greg. Um, the uh, sometimes these weekends are nice because it gives you a chance to to pay some attention to some of the teams who maybe are a little bit off the radar and. I think what's exciting, we're seeing this Texans team, if they win tonight, that'll be an eight-game winning stretch for them, which is a franchise record, the first team at 0-3 to do that ever. But there are a few teams, the Colts, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, who are just having this kind of late-season charge. Is is there anyone that you think can come from that outside and come in and and cause a bit of a stir in the playoffs? Well, you mentioned the AFC. I think there's, you know, three teams... There's a lot of teams battling for that number six spot, but three really intrigued me. The Broncos, who have, have been the streak stopper the last two weeks, beating the Chargers and the Steelers, who were on six-game winning streaks. And then especially the, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson and, and the Colts with Andrew Locke. But the Colts are the team that sticks out to me. I don't know if they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but, man, they are fun to watch, and, and Luck is playing as, as well as anyone. I, I think in the NFC – you're more likely to get kind of one of those fringe teams that could actually win a few games in the playoffs. Why does the rest of the AFC just refuse to to prevent the Patriots from getting a bye again? The Steelers uh, losing yeah. on Sunday was just ridiculous. No, see, this is – I've been noticing this narrative. First of all, there's just five weeks left of the season. So, is every, you know, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Steelers – they all play each other a bunch over the next five mm. weeks, and none of them are perfect. They're all going to win, lose some games. This is what happens in the NFL. Well, you <laughs> thought the Steelers, you were going to be disappointed if they didn't finish the season on a on a twelve game winning streak. I mean, it, it was not a good lot good loss for them. But uh, I would not just hand the the bye to the Patriots. Yeah, they got some tough games. I, it's Steelers Chargers next weekend is our game on Sunday Night Football, and with those with those losses to the Broncos for each team over the last two weeks, that's suddenly an absolutely huge game for seeding, for playoff opportunities, for the teams in the in the hunt as well. I'm massively excited about that game this weekend. Yeah, it's a great match. I mean, the Chargers, who have been very under the radar, you know, at least here in the States in terms of getting attention, are, are going to get a lot of attention because the next three weeks they're in primetime, or, or four weeks primetime three times. They play the Ravens. Uh, a few nights before Christmas. They also play the Chiefs in week 15. So they're going to get a chance to prove who they really are. And and I think we need to see it. Like the Chargers and the Texans are the two teams uh, that I think are really good and they're going to have really good records and they're going to the playoffs. We basically already know five AFC playoff teams at at this point. Uh, But I want to see them against quality competition. You haven't really seen that with the Texans. You're not necessarily going to. The, The toughest game they have left is against the Colts. Uh, but with the Chargers, they are going to be tested over the next few weeks. And, and, I, and I have not counted them out from winning that AFC West. It would be fun to see them go to Kansas City and win that game. 
I, I'm. We were there for that Broncos loss, and I'm concerned fundamentally about that team just because so many penalties. And I've heard a lot of talk about Philip Rivers, their quarterback, being you know an outside, being kind of almost disrespected when people are talking about those in the MVP race, but. Before their big win this weekend, I really didn't see an offensive performance where they were closing games out, where they were just taking their opportunities and saying, look, we're not going to let you be in this. We've been the dominant team, so we're going to get two, three scores ahead and and absolutely thrash you. And that just hasn't seemed to happen this season. Yeah, it's tough because, like like I said, you know they, they lost to the two best teams in the league, the Chiefs and the Rams. But both those games were early. And then the rest of the slate that they've played – has really been lackluster, and they've taken care of business for the most part. Even that, that Broncos game where they lost, they, they really outplayed them for most of the game. They outgained them by 200 yards. It was a little fluky. So that's just how it goes sometimes in the NFL. Like, you have years where you have easy schedules, and your record can be a, a little deceiving. Uh, and you're right. I think we have a lot to learn about the Chargers and, and getting the Steelers in Pittsburgh and losing Melvin Gordon, the great Chargers running back for that game, uh, is definitely a, a bummer going into a big week. Um, I need to ask about the the NFC side of things because our game last night was the uh, was the Packers Vikings game. Uh, Ollie Hunter had been growing his beard uh, as a he decided he wasn't going to cut it off Andrew Luck style until the Packers were out of the playoff hunt. And even so, though they're still technically in it mathematically. The beard went this morning. He's a despondent man, Greg mm. Rosenthal. Are they? It's surely time for Green Bay to make a change and try and at least get another championship out of the last three, four years we've got of Aaron Rodgers in this league. Yeah, and I think this will be the time. It's interesting because I really thought Mike Patton, their defensive coordinator, was a good hire, but now they're going to end up very likely starting over, firing Mike McCarthy, who really you know, became the Packers coach at a different time in the NFL, if you look at it. I mean, it was the, the sport was different. And and I'm not saying you can't adapt along with the times. Bill Belichick certainly uh, does a great job with that. Andy Reid does a great job with that. I don't think Mike McCarthy has. I think he had some pretty definitive ideas of how offense should be, and uh, I think it worked well with his personnel for a while. Uh, but it's disappointing that, that they didn't do a little more under him uh, than they have, considering how many times they've been at home in the playoffs. It's just, it's just tough that they only made it to one Super Bowl when they've been one of the five or six best teams year after year after year, and they just couldn't finish it off in January. We got into a whole conversation about it last night, about the, the quarterbacks who, in theory, in air quotes, should have won more in their career, and whether it's a coaching issue, you know, whether Roethlisberger should have been back more times after the early success. Uh, I think Drew hmm. Brees is another one we brought up. I mean, Philip Rivers is in the conversation, maybe outside of Dan Marino, for, for the best quarterback to have not even been to a Super Bowl, let alone win one. There, there are... As someone who just loves good football, it's, it's just disappointing to see someone who's given us that much entertaining over the year not get their moment in the sun. Yeah, I think he would be right near the top with another Charger, Dan Fouts. I'm trying to mm. think of some other uh, quarterbacks that would make that list because Marino at least made one. And and that's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in the Chargers because to me that's the best story on the board for sentimental reasons is Rivers making that sort of Super Bowl run finally. I think Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, certainly that's a that would kind of be a fun one. Could he finally get a, a Super Bowl? He's been one of the great coaches of the last you know 20 to 30 years. Uh, but it is, it's a reminder. It's such a team sport, and we give so much credit to the quarterbacks. But 
so many things have to happen you know, to win a game. It has 150 different variables, and the quarterback's the biggest one, but, I mean, there's 45 guys active every week and all these – and 25 coaches. It's just – it's crazy, and, and the quarterback gets blamed for it, but you know that Dan Marino or Phillip Rivers – or Drew Brees or whoever, they all could have been in more Super Bowls if they had been in, in, in a better situation. It's just it's tough. It's tough to find the perfect one with 32 teams. I, I want to finish off by asking, because I asked about Ollie's miserable team, so I should ask about my miserable team as well. Uh, the 49ers currently sat in the number one pick slot. And I, four weeks ago, I would have saying, yeah, we've had the worst injury luck of the year. It's, it's been real problems. And, and, you know, we just want a high pick so we can keep building next season I still believed in the coaching and everything else but the way we've lost those games to the Giants to the Cardinals in recent weeks and then we've got if people haven't followed it the situation with Reuben Foster who has now been released from the team after a a domestic violence charge which is not his first run in with the law Uh, it's starting to feel a little bit more than just a lost season at this point (laughs) Yeah, they're finally, you know, John Lynch, the general manager, and, and Kyle Shanahan, the coach, is finally kind of getting criticism. I think Lynch is taking more of it. Certainly that first draft class he has, you get two first-round draft picks with with um, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster. And right now, you know, Foster is, a, you know, an unmitigated um, bust in, in a mistake that they took him. But Solomon Thomas, who was the number three pick in the draft, really hasn't done much at all either. So, that's tough. It, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan, if you happen to watch his press conference today, handled it great. I really think he is a great leader, and I think he's a great offensive coach, and he is someone I, I believe in 100% that he – it's been a tough situation with the injuries, everything that you said, but if that you give him time, having a great offensive mind is as good as you can hope for from your head coach and that they should not give up on Kyle Shanahan, and I don't think they will anytime soon i do think he'll he'll give you brighter days ahead well it'll happen that was the positivity i needed greg i appreciate it uh, true, though. although john lynch uh, i don't know you know guys like the number three fox broadcaster and you just let him run your team that seems a little sketchier that's so. so not I, all positive i think the first year or so under lynch we were all very excited i thought the, the trade with the bears even though the players haven't worked out he looked like he absolutely fleeced them there and then to get jimmy garoppolo the quarterback for as little as they did considering what other quarterbacks are, are moving for that you know I, I was all in on it for a while but yeah it's just you know you can they say never judge a draft class until at least three years afterwards and right now it's definitely trending downwards those first year or so of John Lynch so hopefully you know still brought in Kittle that's well, the main he's a thing nice, he's a nice guy and he's good looking and everyone likes him so that's a positive uh, all right. I didn't know that's the direction we were going in, Greg, but I agree. It's a good looking team in general. Jimmy Garoppolo, John Lynch. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> we've got some things going for us, at least. Hi, everyone. It's Dev off the radio here. We're doing a brand new podcast from Lucas Aid Sport called Running the Show. And I'm Sam Thompson from Made in Chelsea. Hey. I'll be joining Annoying slash being overly affectionate with Dev <laughs> for the next 12 weeks as we both take up running for the first time. Make sure you join us on all your podcast providers to find out which one of us is killing the training and which one of us is hating every second. Probably me. Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL, Ollie. He knows what you know 
that it is time for change at the Green Bay Packers. But he's still backing Kyle Shanahan in a big way and still believes in the 49ers, amazingly. There well, you go. Well, 100% he should, because oh. Shanahan... <laughs> I'm not feeling that way right now. Well, you don't... Well, you're not feeling Shanahan? I have... Um, I, I'm not not feeling Shanahan, but right now we are at a point with the way we've lost to the Giants, the way we lost to the Bucks, the way we lost to the Packers, in fact, even, that we could be like a 4-5 win t- like losing Jimmy Garoppolo and losing Jerry McKinnon was obviously horrendous but there should be enough talent there with the picks we've had for us to still have eked out a 4-5 win season now don't get me wrong if we get the number one overall pick and we get Nick Bosa and we get that edge rush that we so desperately need it's not a blue chip draft this one coming up there's a lot of defensive tackles and defensive linemen there are very few skill position players and, court- and quarterbacks so in- unless you've got like a top 2-3 pick there's not a lot of difference between picking 4 Four and 14 unless you are looking for a quarterback so that part of it I'm not feeling so <laughs> but all of the Reuben Foster situation the fact that it's since emerged after Reuben Foster was cut from the team for this domestic violence issue at the weekend that um, there was another incident in October that the team weren't even aware of it just it's starting to feel like not just a lost season because of injury but actually a season like I was saying to Greg that there have been some genuinely big mistakes made and I, yeah I'm just I'm not so feeling saying, good about it right now are you saying they should have at the beginning of the season cut ties with Foster there and then no no that's not what I'm saying necessarily so but how's this, that Shanahan's fault this situation this situation brought highlighted what uh, a little bit of a shambles the organisational side of things have been the fact that they weren't aware of this other uh, well not arrest but this other caution that he received back in October and it just it, it with the style of the loss as well it just brought a lot of things to the fore that I wasn't feeling too uh, too wonderful about but you know I, I still do believe in Shanahan I just you know I just needed to hear it from someone else I, need, I just needed that little reassurance that pat on the shoulder whoa, whoa, whoa. that Gregory Rosenthal can give me but I still believe in Shanahan. Yeah, but you still believed in uh, uh, Ty Montgomery until he fumbled the ball out of the end zone. So uh, he he must not be named. I can't believe you said his name. You're well, out. Ty of Montgomery. Stop it. Eighty-eight. Stop it. Added. There we go. You stopped it. That's good. Very nice. <laughs> Had a pretty good game for the Ravens this weekend. Did. <laughs> oh, you're, why are you doing this to me? He who must not be named on this podcast ever again. Yeah, what time Montgomery? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. So yeah, uh, that was Greg Rosenthal. Oh, um, he was giving some of his playoff <laughs> dark horses, that? and we're going to give our we're going to give our opinion on some playoff dark horses coming up shortly. Uh, but there's a few news stories to talk about before that. I want to start off with. Um, the, the situation in Jacksonville. Nathaniel Hackett fired as offensive coordinator. Blake Bortles has been benched. Cody Kessler is now the starting quarterback in his place. I think it's the, the Hackett firing, first of all, is fascinating because it's a classic head coach move to try and save their job, to sack off the coordinator, put the blame on one side of the ball and try and say, look, that's where we've really had problems, but I can still take this team forward. But actually, Hackett and uh, and Hackett and uh, uh, and Marone have been together since Syracuse. He brought him through at the Bills. He brought him to the Jaguars. So it's fascinating. I wonder if that's come from elsewhere in the organization. The Kessler, uh, not the Kessler firing, the Hack Hackett firing. But more than that. It, to me, is a huge piece of scapegoating because, yes, the offense hasn't been good, but Nathaniel Hackett is not the reason for that. 
the last kind of the December stretch and then the playoff stretch last season, there was no offensive coordinator in the league. And I'm including the likes of, you know, Di Filippo and Frank Reich, what they were doing in uh, in Philadelphia and, and the, what we saw from the likes of the Shanahans of this world and the Sean McVeighs of this world. There was no one who was running a better scheme to fit their quarterback than Nathaniel Hackett, who found a way to win even with a pile of turd under centre. This is an organisational problem that they never... Let's just get one thing right here. Blake Bortles has decent arm strength, can run with the ball, and has decent pocket movement. He just has bad decision-making and a terrible... uh, The wind-up is just all over the shop. That's stuff that can be coached. Mechanics. The, The mechanics are a mess, but that's stuff that can be coached. However, to not bring in... To, to double down on him and double down on him and double down on him and not bring in genuine competition at any point over the last three years has been what has been the real problem for this team. And for Hackett to get the blame, I think it's unfair because I now think that Hackett will take... It will take time before Hackett gets his opportunity elsewhere. And I don't think that's fair. I think he actually did a pretty good job in Jacksonville. He did a very good job last season. This season, not so much. How much do you think the... Leonard Fournette 60-yard run to get involved with a fight with Shaq Lawson and the rest of the Buffalo Bills. Do you think that was partly the straw that broke the camel's back? Or is Doug Marone complicit in that as well? It, it's, the, it's the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of that was, that was a game they still very much were in and still very much could have won. And in fact, were on the one-yard line when that play happened. You lose your blue-chip running back for a below-average rotational lineman. That's not what you need. And he, and he wasn't even involved in the play. And to sprint down the field and whack his helmet on and get involved, whoa, just, it was so stupid. But again, it comes back to a, a, an indicative organisational issue. To an extent, you want your players to be a bit cocksure, a bit, you know, have the Jalen Ramsey giving it a bit of jawing. Or they did, like, what has been massively underplayed. And the Bills, like, quote-tweeted Jalen Ramsey's tweet about how Josh Allen is an interception waiting to happen from pre-season and quote-tweeted it saying, well, this tweet aged well or something like that. All right, Buffalo, calm down. Jalen Ramsey actually was the first person to go over to Josh Allen after the game, shake his hand and congratulate him. So even though he's a guy that jaws a bit, that was a little moment of class, which I liked. But... There's got to be a difference between generating an us versus them mentality and losing control of your locker room. And they have lost control of them when you see a situation like we saw on Sunday. Frustration's completely boiled over and there is a massive coaching problem there. I I think we're going to see a whole clear out at Jacksonville this summer. And I think it could be Marone. And I, I, I think fine even though the defensive pieces they've picked up and the free agency signings and everything else have looked good, they're continually doubling down on Blake Bortles Mm. because you're the guy that drafted him has to see Dave Caldwell lose his job. And you have to... Because he has to go because the, the, there were so many opportunities to bring in a, a quarterback that would then help it would help that defense if they had a better quarterback the defense wouldn't be on the field as much they, they would have confidence on in their offense and therefore play better they had confidence in the offense last season because Bortles was doing some 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 good things so they had the opportunity to get Teddy Bridgewater to get to draft someone do you know you to know, get uh, Tyrod Taylor do you know what emerged this week about the Teddy Bridgewater situation so what did the Saints pay for Bridgewater? A third round pick, I want to say? 
to bring him in as the as the backup to Drew Brees mm. and potentially someone who could come in and take over in a year's time, two years' time. What did the Jags get for Dante Fowler? Fifth rounder? Something like that, yeah. They were offered by the Jets a straight swap Dante Fowler for Teddy Bridgewater. They already knew that Fowler was a bust in terms of what he was in the locker room. Mm. They could have made that decision back in July, back in August, and their whole season could look very different. Not guaranteed. Bridgewater might not have been able to withstand 16 games of getting hit. But I think he'd have done a better job than Bortles and he would have fit the offence better based on what we saw from him in preseason. I was all in on that as an idea. But they didn't chase him. They didn't go after Smith. They didn't go after... I don't know if they could have afforded Cousins, but they certainly didn't at least try. There was there was no attempt to bring somebody in to usurp Blake Bortles or even give him real competition. And without real competition, standards slip. And uh, and we've seen that. We've seen that this season. He hasn't been good. There are uh, uh, flashes which now look like flukes rather than actual, actual talent. So uh, the Jags are a hot mess. You cut Blake Bortles... And he costs you $16.5 million against the cap next season. That's the highest... Although some of that gets offset. If someone else signs him, I think six-odd million of that gets offset. But that's the highest any cap hit from a single player will have been all time. The current previous record was JPP, I think. Mm. The... We we kind of started to talk about this off air and sort of talked about maybe an idea for the show, but I think it's something that we need to do kind of in more depth maybe next week which is the most attractive head coaching vacancy at the end of this season. So I think the ones we're going to have, we're going to have the Packers, the Ravens, the Browns. I think you probably see uh, the Jaguars job become available. Who else? There's a couple of other ones I had in mind. I had them written down earlier, but I can't remember where they are. But of those, Dolphins? Of those jobs, I don't know. Dolphins is very seriously one that could happen. Of those jobs, I think the Browns Jets. might be the most attractive. Jets is going to happen. Yeah, Jets will probably happen. They're you're not. Right. Gonna, they're not keeping. No, Todd Bowles. No, you're absolutely they're, right. They're, the Jets is a good shout. Um, but of those head coaching jobs, I think you've got the the prestige and the quarterback with Green Bay. You've got the young talent across offense and defense at Cleveland, and you're starting from a very low space. I think maybe the two of the worst. Well, hold on, hold on. They have the same record as you, so let's not say too low of a base. Well, no, no, no. They have literally the same record as yeah, the Green f- Bay Packers through eleven weeks of the yeah, twelve not, weeks of the season. Yeah, I know that, but not the <laughs> same record over the last four seasons. Have no. But... So there you go. And then I think maybe Tampa Bay is that an opportunity? Tampa Bay definitely hundred yeah. percent. That's one I had down. But there are there are pros for those for some of those other ones. I think the two. I think actually the Jags may be one of the worst ones to come into. The Jets, it's all about how much you like Sam Darnold. Yeah. But that one's not great. But I think I think they've got a load of cap space. We're doing it. We've, we're, we're basically we've doing, doing it. it. We've, yeah, ended we've ended up doing, up doing it. it. Oops. Uh, I, I think the Browns is the most attractive job. Because actually I think... Why? If you, if you look Why? At, if you look at the coaching of Aaron Rodgers over the years... I think it takes a specific type of coach to come in and get Aaron Rodgers to Because actually, like, there is an element of frustration with the fact that he changes the play at the line of scrimmage and you can't script. I don't think the idea, if a young, if a young college offensive mind, Lincoln Riley type or John Filippo type comes in to, 
to Green Bay, I think that's a culture clash between them and Aaron Rodgers. You'd have to get full buy-in from Aaron Rodgers to agree to do what they say, not change plays at the line of scrimmage. If there's uh, Basically, he runs the offense himself, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. I think it has to be an older head who can essentially let him be the offensive coordinator while they coach the rest of the team, which is why I kept saying Nick Saban before. Whereas the Browns, like you said, lower base, and it is a lower base, even though they've got the same record as you. Uh, oh, oh, thanks, mate. They've got you the, just uh, saying that to yeah, go to having, me. Yeah, exactly. Why are you doing. like this? Exact, why are you being like this? Exactly what I was doing. You've got Baker Mayfield. You've got Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. Uh, you've got uh, David and Joku, uh, Ogbonga. You've got. It's a great team. It, honestly, the amount of talent there, that's a team that could be a, a playoff team next season with the right coach, 100%. How did you feel about Baker Mayfield uh, not not shaking or not hugging Hugh Jackson and then calling him out in his post-game press conference? Um, is it a little classless? He called him fake. He said that he didn't like the fact that he went to a team within the same division who played them twice a year as soon as he'd... My problem is, is he didn't leave got sacked yeah he got fired and somebody else offered him a paycheck Where, you know close to home he knows it well I don't blame him for going I, I don't think that's Baker didn't obviously he's not going to slag off the head coach whilst he's his head coach apparently Mayfield was speaking for the team though apparently this was a general feeling and you can imagine it's the kind of feeling that Greg Williams might have stirred up in the team because he's a dreadful human being. <laughs> your shade, you know, your shade against Greg Williams is uh, is very entertaining. He's an absolute turd. We'll end up having to interview him at some point on Radio Row. Oh, you know I'll, that's going to happen. I'll tell him he's a dreadful human being. <laughs> I, I will ask him if we ever interview Greg Williams. I'll say I'll ask him. Do you ever worry about your, the perception of you from your? team and from the people from the outside because you come across as a dreadful human being but does that is that just your coaching style i'll ask him that i will throw the words dreadful human being in there <laughs> wow <laughs> um yeah uh, i i don't I, I think if mayfield was talking for the team then he was being a good leader and i'm kind of okay with it how do you feel about the uh washington football club claiming reuben foster off waivers I mean, I don't know all of the ins and outs. I'm going to turn it back on to you. How do you feel about that? But that's why I asked you. I went off on one about Nathaniel Hackett. I was giving you your chance, your moment. I I don't think it's great. Anyone that's been accused of um, domestic violence on three separate occasions is now shouldn't be anywhere near any any kind of role model situation, i.e. being involved in in a football club. Here's the theory behind it. You've got a guy who is a legitimate first round talent, who is has potential to be a top two, three linebacker, middle linebacker in the league. And by claiming him, because he's been put on the exemption list, and you probably knew that's what was going to happen before you claimed him, essentially all you're doing is saying that if his legal issues come to nothing, then we're getting first refusal on his contract and we get to keep him. Mm. And it's a rookie deal and it's relatively cheap. So all that makes sense. But for a team who don't have the greatest PR in the world anyway... It's an absolute PR nightmare. It was so completely unnecessary, it felt like. Like, just wait until it plays out. And what's amazing is that hearing afterwards from, you know, the kind of Schefters and and Rappaports and people of this world, that the Eagles spoke with Tampa Bay police to get the real ins and outs of the situation. 
and chose not to claim him off waivers after doing that. Yeah. Washington didn't do that groundwork. They took the risk and saying, you know, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it's no skin off our nose. The colour of that skin doesn't matter. The... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I have to cut that out or not, but I'm going to leave it in. Do you know what? Whatever. Um, it's, it's absolutely no skin off their nose. The that's so the wrong approach the Eagles if they went to Tampa Bay they they spoke about it a team who could do with some help at linebacker and went having spoken to them we're not going to touch this one with a 10 foot barge pole do you know what we'll stay away from this one and and the 49ers you know the 49ers had a first round talent in their building when they've already got question marks over whether Solomon Thomas is going to be a bust over whether or not the, the the high picks they've spent elsewhere on the defensive line I love DeForest Buckner but whether those have been spent in the right way how the trade for Mitchell Trubisky has actually worked out the front office is getting a lot of questions right now and then they've cut bait on a guy who is a legitimate talent yeah Fred Warner had come in and taken a lot of his snaps after he played ahead of him during his suspension earlier in the year but he's still a great football player they made the decision to do it it's I just it's madness to me. I just I don't understand why you've kept him on a roster right now. If you like him a lot, go and speak to him and say, look, if it all works out, we'd like to have bring you into Washington. So there we go. Big Ben said, claims- I mean, yeah, but, but Greg Hardy was a great football player, but an, a, a, an abhorrent human being, an abominable human being. So you know, it's. And how how much bad press did the Cowboys get for for re-signing him? And now he's not got a football team. He's not he's not employed. I think the Forty ers did the right the right thing, and I think the the I think Washington will figure out that they don't need that bad an apple, that bad PR on top of already their bad PR in their building. So I, I think he he won't be long in football. Right, we're going to preview Thursday night football coming up, but let's um, let's just quickly talk about the playoff dark horses. So right now, if we look at the seedings in the AFC, Chiefs, Patriots dominating in those two uh, top positions. Steelers clear at the top of the AFC North. You'd, you'd be uh, I know they're they're a game and a half ahead of the Ravens, but based on on recent play, I'd, I'd fancy them to take that division. And the Texans out at eight and three. Then you've got the Chargers sitting at eight and three. I mean, arguably, unless a team absolutely collapses, you're looking at one position in that sixth seed where the Ravens sit at six and five, the Colts sit out there at six and five. And I think an interesting shout: the Dolphins and the Bengals. I'm I'm not buying it. Who are currently sat eighth and ninth, but the Broncos, back to back wins over teams currently sat in playoff positions in the Chargers and Steelers who by the way go head to head in a banging Sunday night football this week um, they're now just one game out of the playoffs and you look at their remaining schedule they only play one team with a winning record the rest of the season and that's the Chargers in week 17 other than that which it could all be done and dusted for both teams by then you go to the Bengals you go to the 49ers you're home to the Browns you go to the Raiders I think that's three nailed on wins probably four going into week 17 this Broncos team could be 9-6 and six going into that Week 17 game. Bang! And they're welcoming Los Angeles, who they've already got the win over that we went to. Mm-hmm. They're taking them to Mile High, mm-hmm. who could already be in the the the, the playoffs already with the, that number one wildcard spot. The Broncos might win out. The Broncos could win out because that final Week 17 game, if they need to win it, they will win it. Fact. Because Los Angeles will will rest Rivers. They'll rest Melvin Gordon, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Keenan Allen. They'll rest all of their stars just so that they're fresh 
for the next the next game. I think the problem the is week. is that the Broncos, because of this recent resurgence, we didn't mention them when we were talking about head coaching vacancies, but I did not expect Vance Joseph to survive this season two weeks ago. And I think that the the Case Keenum experiment has proven to not work out unless you have the Pat Shermer type offensive mind there. I don't think Case Keenum works there. So I think they're also a team who are going to be looking at quarterback in this upcoming draft. And yet they might be going to the playoffs. <laughs> the, what, the roadblock is the Colts. Well, yeah. Uh, the Colts is a huge one. They have three games away from Indianapolis, all against divisional rivals. And so they've played all of their home divisional games already. That's amazing. Yeah, pretty sure. So, so they go to Jacksonville this weekend coming, live on TalkSport 2. Yep. Then to the Texans the following week, and they finish at the Titans in Week 17. The other two games, they've got a Cowboys home, Giants at home. But that offense looks so good. And they should get um, the, the centre back. Uh, I want to call him Jack Kelly. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really struggling. Isn't that isn't that a, a character from Gangs of New York? Is, is that is that what Leonardo DiCaprio's character was called in Gangs of New York? Ryan Kelly. That's who I was thinking <laughs> of. They should get Ryan Kelly back as well, who was a big miss this past weekend. But that offensive line has been a huge improvement. I love watching the Colts right now. Is there a world where the Colts and the Broncos could sneak into the playoffs? Yeah, because the Baltimore Ravens are... They haven't been playing well over the last four or five games. I think they've just won once. So, if uh, Colts and the Broncos... I think I think for it to happen, one of them has to win the division. We know the Broncos aren't doing that, so it would require the Texans falling off a cliff and the Colts st- steaming in there. So, I, d- I don't think I it don't is possible. I don't see that happening either. No, because neither the do Texans I. Because the Texans are rolling. They, they won that emotionally charged Monday night football game against the Titans. Um, Lamar Miller, 97-yarder and... DeAndre Hopkins doing what he does Sean Watson I think they're rolling at the moment in Houston so I think it's Los Angeles and one of Baltimore Indianapolis and Denver okay who who do you think I'm going to take Indy I know Denver have got the easier run in but I'm going to take Indy I was going to take Indy alright I'll take take Denver (laughs) I was going to say I'll take Denver (laughs) you take Indy then you know, I'm happy either way. The honestly. Gridiron Show takes one of those two teams <laughs> <laughs> and will claim genius when one of them gets in. Uh, on the NFC side, so you've got currently sat in the playoff places, obviously Saints and Rams in the top two seeds. Uh, sitting in the third seed, the Chicago Bears, the, the Vikings, a game and a half back on them, sit in the fifth seed. Uh, the Cowboys currently are the fourth seed because they top that dreadful, by the way, division of disgrace this season. 100% is easily. the NFC East. It's happened. It's been named done and shame shame shame, shame. the NFC shame. is to the division of disgrace despite the fact they've currently got two teams in the playoffs and one team sat just a uh, game out oh isn't that funny there's nothing wrong with what we've just done there it's absolutely <laughs> fine they are 100% the division of disgrace um, I, am, I am not a fan of them so shame <laughs> very good shame very good shame uh, <laughs> So, shame. are we saying the Packers are out of shame. the playoff race? I mean, you are because you've shame. shaved your face. Um, shaved. Shaved. <laughs> shaved. 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 I've got one thing to say to Mike McCarthy. Shame. 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 Oh, good. Shame. <laughs> okay. 
Shame. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, the Shame. Sea- <laughs> the Seahawks and the Panthers. Shame. Sit on the same record as Washington and, and, and Dallas uh, on six and five. But the Panthers have, have dropped games in recent weeks, whilst the Seahawks. The Panthers uh, obviously dropped that 20 to 19 loss to the Lions. In fact, they've lost the last three. That battering by the Steelers, then clanged one at the Lions, then lost to the Seahawks in a game that legitimately they should have won this weekend. I know Russell Wilson had some fourth quarter heroics, and we've got to give some love to the Seahawks' red zone defence that held the Panthers to 27 points when easily the Panthers could have been out in the 40s by the time they were even in the fourth quarter. I I still... Yeah, they've got to take the shame on their own selves, not necessarily just giving the love to the Seahawks. But then you can see the Seahawks coming in. They got that tight loss over the Rams, but they beat the Packers, they beat the Panthers, and they're running. They get the 49ers twice. They get the Cardinals as well. So you give them three wins there. The only thing potentially keeping the Seahawks out right now is that they've got to play the Vikings and play the Chiefs, but they get them both at CenturyLink. It's worked out kind of nicely for them. I think they're going to go ten and six. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. And ten and six will surely be enough for that second wildcard spot behind Minnesota. So I think he might even take the fifth seed over Minnesota, but we'll see how the Vikings get along. The Vikings really impressed me this weekend against the Packers. It was a consummate performance. Their O line still scares me, but I mean, it was a, <laughs> it, it was a really good performance. That's their FA Cup final. That's their, their the, against the Packers in their building is their Super Bowl. I, I think they played better than they have been doing this season. They were dreadful against the Bears. Dreadful. So they've been playing better. They play better against the Packers because it is that's their big rivalry. That's the one they really want to win every year, especially at home. So and, I, I, and, think they, I think they're in a the slightly pa- false position. And the Packers were rubbish as well. But that didn't help. Packers were rubbish. But <laughs> they've got the Patriots this weekend. Then that's there's that Seahawks they, game. But their last three are imminently winnable. Uh, home to the Dolphins, away to the Lions. And then the Week 17 against the Bears at home, I expect them to win because the Bears will have already already be there they'll rest their their entire defensive Tony Pulis on the beach. And, exactly. So Okay, so we're saying Bears Vikings Seahawks probably and do you know what what's the Eagles schedule looking like so the Eagles have got Washington home Cowboys on the road Rams on the road ooh, Texans at home and then Washington again Washington with their injury problems I'm giving them both those wins and I'm going to give them the win at the Cowboys as well even though I know the Cowboys beat them pretty handily on that Sunday night football game I'm giving them four wins La- maybe- you think they'll win four of those last games I think they'll beat Washington they'll beat the Cowboys they'll lose to the Rams they'll beat the Eagles uh, the Eagles. they'll beat the Texans and then they'll beat Washington on the final day so they have to rely on the Cowboys losing th- uh, losing th- four, three of their last five Cowboys got the Saints they've got the Eagles so there's two that they've lost at the Colts they'll lose that so then Bucks and, and Giants the last two weeks almost become a... So we're saying that a team that have just gone on a three-game winning streak, including beating the current Super Bowl champions, the last year's Super Bowl runners-up, <laughs> and a divisional rival in a primetime game on Thanksgiving, we're saying we're about to go on a three-game losing streak. 
What is what is justifying that for us? This is a team who, since they brought you in, like that? You like that? <laughs> this is a team who, since bringing in, and like, don't get me wrong, I'm not one to defend the Cowboys, but this is a team who, since bringing in Amari Cooper, have gone to that 11 personnel so much more often, spread the ball out, that's forced defenses to spread out, and they're averaging nearly 150 yards on the ground. Zeke Elliott has gone from being about seventh in the rushing race to being top in rushing yards and second in all-purpose yards in the space of the last three weeks. And yet, we're saying they're going to lose the next three games. Playoffs? Don't talk about (laughs) playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Uh, I just hope we can win a game. We're going to get so much stick from Cowboys fans, but I'm all in on it. I'm so all in on it. It's all about momentum. I think the Cowboys have peaked too early with this three-win <laughs> three, three win, uh, streak. It's about momentum. Peaked too early. I believe in the other teams more. I am, I am taking the Saints, and I'm taking the Saints to cover on Thursday night because... Whilst I, they, I've just said all those positive things about the Cowboys, the teams they've beaten down that stretch were a... Um, the, the, the Falcons were much poorer than we've expected this season. Uh, Washington were as banged up as could possibly be and still very much were in that game with Colt McCoy right at the death. I think despite having got better on offence and having a decent defence, the Cowboys look like a... look like that classic NFL team who in any season could go 10-6 and six or seven and nine based on the way things break for them whereas the saints are doing something truly special at the moment i think the saints go to dallas put a bit of a hurting on them and then it is about can they pick themselves up for the eagles the following week that's that's what it is for because that's my thursday night football preview i think the saints win it and win it handily but i've been very wrong when it comes to the cowboys before recently my picks have gone absolutely off a cliff on the gridiron picks game i was i was like fifth overall and and within a game of sherry and i think i've picked up like six wins over the past two weeks something ridiculous like that absolutely shambolic from both of us (laughs) between us uh, between me not remembering to put my picks in and then being ludicrous with some of them and then it's not great uh the, the the saints Drew Brees has travelled actually really well of course MVP. they've, they've, they've MVP. lost one um, this season so they've won all of their road games going into a dome it's going to be dark outside so you're not going to get the glare well, will it be dark outside maybe it won't be but either way it's um, it's a prime time game which Drew Brees absolutely lives for I think yeah They'll easily cover cover the spread. Ooh, double easily. the spread. Double the Love spread. It. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to go double the spread. Um, I uh, It means they're going to score at least 14 points. Uh, beat them by at least 14 points. Yep, I'm taking it. Brilliant. I love that. I, um, <laughs> what I'm really excited about this season is I hope Drew Brees wins the MVP because I think he is unfairly not mentioned when it comes to those other top quarterbacks. And he's not won one in his career, whereas, you know, bloody Cam Newton's won an MVP for Jeff's sake. He's well, had, yeah, but Cam Newton was great that there, season. There have been nine 5,000-yard seasons in the history of the NFL, and Drew Brees has five of them. He's like, basically the Aguero of the <laughs> NFL. Yeah, he doesn't get the, the praise he deserves. And, and what I want, I want him to win the MVP this season, but I want him to deserve it. Like, I, I know Pat Mahomes is very much still in that conversation, but I don't want it to be like, uh, like Martin Scorsese winning the Oscar for The Departed or Roger Deakins winning the Oscar for uh, Blade Runner last year, where you've basically gone, you've been nominated a bunch of times and we should have given it to you about five times in the past. 
So yeah, we're gonna. Here you go. You've got a like The Departed is a good film, but it's not a great film. It's not Taxi Driver. It's not King of Comedy. It's not like up there with the very, very best Scorsese's. But it felt like a lifetime achievement award rather than an award for the quality of that one film. Was it better than what was going be, on that year? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, so I don't want him to be. Um, I don't know if we're both desperately Googling the departed Oscars. It was the 2007 Oscars. So 2007 Best Director nominees. <laughs> uh, Isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying to me? Not the Best Picture. It won Best Picture as well. It did win Best Picture, but I'm talking specifically about the director. Oh, I you're talking about the director one. Now you're changing the... the no, because I said post. giving it to Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah but all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have given it to Paul Greengrass for United 93. That is an incredible movie. No, I've not seen it. Uh, of course you haven't. What uh, do you mean, of course I haven't? You're a dreadful man, that's what, what? I'm saying. Uh, I think that rounds us off. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Any final thoughts? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have another podcast coming out in a couple of days' time, which will preview the weekend's games. And it's a decent slate of games this weekend. And now that the Packers aren't in the playoff hunt anymore, you could enjoy it without having to worry. All your games will be at 6pm now, so you don't even have to actually watch them. You can just have Red Zone on. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and we've got a brilliant Sunday night football game to enjoy on TalkSport. Oh, uh, Super Bowl plans are coming together, and they are looking fantastic. Had an email from the NFL today. You know how we had um, Bruce Gradkowski last week, last year, doing our co-coms? He was great. By the way, I met his brother in the Broncos locker room what his brother uh, Greg is it Greg Gradkowski I mean that's a confusing name it's something it? Gradkowski obviously it's and uh, he's an offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos so I, I said god you look like Bruce Gradkowski and then I saw his name so I introduced myself said hello oh you didn't say to him you look like Bruce no, no, Gradkowski no, 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 no. but I did actually say <laughs> I, did, I said to him are you Bruce's brother and then he went yeah man yeah and I said I thought so because you look like him (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then yeah I told him how I knew Bruce Uh, so you know how we had Bruce Gradkowski last year provided by the NFL but also there was Lorenzo Alexander who was great he was great Ryan Harris who was great yeah and who was the fourth player they were good as well it was the um former tight end whose name is going to completely escape me but I'll remember in a minute so you know how we had we had the four of them on Radio Row with us but then Bruce did the game with us they're going to bring all of those guys to the game and we're going to get them all on during the pre-game, post-game, half-time. Sure. So we're going to have like five extra guests to join us at various points during the game. So, But we um, we don't know who they are yet. No, we do. well, I've been told that there are some pretty blue-chip names in there. It was meant to be Matt Forte last year, so I'm hoping it's Matt Forte this year. Because he's really lovely. And he does the Bears games on radio, so... Yeah, I'm not, knows ta- what he's I'm, doing. not ta- I'm not going to talk to him. Oh, come on. He's I'll a lovely to- man. I'll talk to him. He's a lovely man. All right. All right. I'm doing my gridiron pickums as we speak. So, Ollie, do you, did you actually have any final thoughts? What movie did you go and see earlier on today? I went to see the. I finally went to see the Freddie Mercury biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. How did you feel about it? I love Rami Malik. I'm a huge fan of uh, Mr. Robot. He was the guy that was on our flight that time. He was on our flight that time. Um, he is absolutely superb in it. It's not a great film. Oh, really? Yeah. But that's it, different to what Mark Commode normally says. It's... <laughs> he, lo- he loved it. Yeah, he did. He loved <laughs> Bo-Rap. Um, yeah, it's not a great film. It's a bit yeah, of a mess. Like it Queen. focuses on the wrong parts of his life. I like Queen enough. They've I don't got... know whether you like Queen enough. I like Queen enough. Um, the last 20 minutes when they basically just recreate the Live Aid concert, that bit's great. 
Like the last 20 minutes, although it still has some cheesy moments, randomly they keep cutting away to a pub where people are celebrating. And like, there was a thing that really annoyed me. They did the Bob Geldof, give us your oofing money speech, and uh, they cut out the swearing from it because the film's a PG-13 slash a 12A or whatever. That's poor from them. My bigger problem was the fact that basically they suggested that his uh, gay lifestyle later in, in life was the reason that uh, the band fell apart for a while and made him a dreadful human being. And essentially, it felt a little bit like it was demonising his homosexuality at some points. Wow. And that so was... that's why some people probably came off came off board or with it. Yeah, I, I didn't... I, I, but Rami Malek, there is, a, there is a much, much better film starring Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury out there somewhere. It's just not that one. Sadly. So you're saying a bit like a bit like um, the Hulk movies? We're going to get a load of different. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think so. Style so I, Hulk I, movies. So I think I, movies. I think the problem is is that it is, and I don't know why this has turned into the Gavin and Hunter film review, but the, I think the problem is there was too much involvement from the surviving member of the band at this point. Yeah, the one with the frizzy hair. Yeah, Brian May and Roger Taylor. Deakins and no, Deakins. Roger Taylor and John Deakins. Yeah, too much involvement from those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it should have been a little bit more faithful to the various books and stuff that were written about him. Okay. Anyway, that right. was, those are my thoughts. I still haven't seen Widows. I wanted to see Widows. Sarah wanted to see that, so I'm going to go see Widows on my own in the day. Is is that the scary movie? No, it's the Steve McQueen one, which looks great. Oh, okay. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. We'll round off the show with our Thursday night preview and a little bit of wild card chat with Jacob from Skybet. Right, time to check the latest odds now with our friends at Skybet. Jacob joining us. We'll preview Thursday night football coming up. But uh, Jacob, uh, we've been talking on the show already about some playoff dark horses, some of those teams that are surging and might nick their way into a wild card. Have a say in January. So I'm wondering how the odds are looking for some of those. Please, sir. Yeah, I'll talk about the teams that we've been seeing the most action on of the outsiders we'll start first with indianapolis so they're 11 to 8 at the moment but about a month ago you could get them at 10 to 1 they were they're obviously on a roll as we've seen and if you look at their upcoming schedule they've got the jags left they've got the texans they've got the titans they've got dallas and they've got the giants so i think if you're a playoff team you think you can get three wins out of that that puts you on nine which I think nine could get you in. And then if you can nick a win against the Texans or maybe the Cowboys put you on 10, and I think in the AFC, t- 10 wins definitely gets you in. Yeah, no, I, I love the Colts because of the offensive surge and even being able to beat the Dolphins when they weren't the better team this week kind of convinced me of that. What about the other team in the AFC who have put themselves in with a shout, the um, the Denver Broncos? Yeah, this is another one that's been really popular and almost certainly off the back of their win on Sunday. They're sat at three to one. They're a win behind, so they're only on five wins at the moment. But you look at their schedule, they've got Cincinnati, they've got San Francisco, they've got Cleveland, Oakland, and then they finish with the Chargers. So if you're a playoff team, you're thinking you get at least four wins out of that which again would put them on nine, which we've already said could sneak you in. But I have a feeling the Chargers could end up in a little limbo in week 17 where they can't win the division, but they also are stuck in that fifth spot regardless. So maybe they're a bit smarter than they were this weekend and they rest some players as they're scared of more injuries. And that could be the win that the Denver Broncos need to sneak in. So who? Um, what about on the NFC side? Is there anyone you see there as, as someone who can sneak in from the outside right now? Well, we've got... 
the Panthers, funnily enough, who have been drifting out almost kind of the opposite to the Colts. They were two to seven about a month ago, and they're now sat out at thirteen to eight. So, but they're still proving quite popular with the public. They've they've got Tampa left, they've got Cleveland left, they've got Atlanta left, but they have got the Saints twice to play. I think the NFC is going to be a bit tighter when you look at the fact that one of the Seahawks, Panthers, or Vikings aren't going to make the playoffs. And I think at the moment, the Panthers are looking like the, the highest odds to, to make in, into the playoffs, but it doesn't seem to be putting the public off. Um, the uh, Obviously, the, the NFC East is the one that's going to prove intriguing. The Cowboys will have been surging. They feature on Thursday Night Football. Uh, the Saints going to Jera World to take on the Cowboys. A uh, weird one because it's not a short week. Both these teams played and won on uh, on Thanksgiving night. So, uh, yeah, a nice Thursday Night Football where they'll have had a full week to prepare, a full week of rest. Um, and the, there's a lot of talk about this being a really strong game. Yeah, I think... It's it's funny because the, the it started off a bit shorter and now the Saints have drifted out to eight on the handicap. I think when you look at look at the recent performances, I think there's more hype around the Cowboys. I think we said the other day. I don't know if they've got better or it's more everyone in their division's got worse. So I do think as much as it could be a strong game and like you say, they have both still had their full week to prepare. All the money pretty much right now is on the Saints to cover that handicap. So I'll tell you my kind of feeling on it is that the Cowboys we were talking about this on the show already but the Cowboys have have won back-to-back games in situations where well three games back-to-back in situations where they've played teams that we now know are performing below their level teams like Washington who are severely dinged up Falcons who can't get things going at all I honestly I none of these those three wins look amazing to me on paper particularly and I think they're going to an against an absolute buzzsaw in the Saints I think they're so balanced on both sides of the ball so I'm with people I think that they're going to cover as well so for my request about this week I'm going to do a minus six and a half I think the Saints will cover that but uh, also in that three-game run, the Cowboys haven't turned over the ball once, and the Saints actually have more wins than turnovers this season. So I'm going to take the Saints to cover, but for there to be no turnovers in the game. Yes, yeah, so we've got Saints minus six point five and no turnovers in the game. That's at ten to one on site now. I think I can see what you what, what we mean with the they've been t- taking care of the ball really well. I think when we say about the balance on offense and defense, but there's also been really good balance between running and passing the ball which Mm. is mad when you think that Drew Brees is looking like the front runner for the MVP but both teams are in the top six for their run pass ratio so only Seahawks are running the ball more than the Saints and when you've got a run game that's not coughing up the ball and the Saints have got Drew Brees who's not throwing interceptions then I think it looks like a strong shout for them to both take care of the ball. Uh, so that's uh, that's my request a bet. And are you doing the usual Thursday night request a bet or request a bet special? Yeah, absolutely. So if you spend ten pounds or across any request a bet markets on the Saints Cowboys games, then you receive a five pound free bet. To spend on any NFL market you like. Brilliant stuff, Jacob. As always, uh, full terms conditions at skybet.com. It is over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. <laughs> 